You're listening to All The Gear, a National Club Golfer podcast. Gear podcast, we're talking all things stealth, as I'm joined by tailor-made R&D experts Tom O'Bysbed and Matt Bovey to discuss the development, technology and testing of the new stealth drivers and irons. Hi Tamo, thanks for joining me on the All The Gear podcast. Stealth is finally here, can you talk a little bit about the new tech and the product and what it's been like to develop this? Um, yeah, Hannah, thanks for having me on, on the podcast. Um, obviously, extremely exciting time for us. Um, everyone here at TaylorMade, we, we're, Stealth has been, you know, 20 years in the making for us. We've actually been working on this technology for 20 years. Uh, brand new driver with a, a carbon face. We call it a carbon wood. And the technology is, is frankly incredible. I think if, um, if the people listening to this podcast have a chance to go and test it out, I think they're going to see uh, both visually something that's striking and different, but the performance of the product um, is really something that we have never seen before. So um, the 60 layers of carbon in the face is kind of the the core of this driver, the engine of this driver that's delivering. Um, it's unlocking a lot of new performance uh, benefits of the product. First and foremost, it's a really fast face. Um, we've been able to essentially make the collision with the ball more efficient um, and extract a little bit more ball speed out of it. Uh, Obviously, with the lighter face, we're also able to reposition some of the weight in the driver into sort of the perimeter uh, of the face and, and really kind of, again, extract more forgiveness and create a larger face uh, to make it a more forgiving, more consistent driver. So a lot of really cool things going on with Stealth. And I think, um, again, it's 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 a full line of product. Uh, we have Fairy Woods as well and, and Rescues. And then obviously Iron Zoning as well uh, pretty soon. So oh, really exciting times. So with the carbon, why was it that you chose to go down that route of that material, obviously, over the titanium we have previously? Um, so carbon, uh, we know, is, is obviously a lighter and stronger material. And the challenge for us was really to figure out how to make it into the face. We knew that if we could make the face lighter, um, again, we can reposition weight outside of the face. And actually, that um, part of the physics of that is that the collision with the golf ball gets more efficient. We're able to essentially continue more momentum from the head to the ball, producing more ball speed. So for us, we knew that the sort of the science behind it was really sound and that we could get carbon to perform better than titanium. But the big sort of challenge for us was really to be able to uh, manufacture it and make it durable. And obviously for golfers to enjoy it, uh, you know, for thousands and thousands of shots, um, that was kind of the big challenge and part of why it took 20 years to bring this thing to market. You mentioned there it was a 20-year process. Can you just touch a little bit on that? Because I think for the average consumer, they would never think that like a product could be being planned and kind of almost thought about for that long. Um, yeah, it's it's by, by far the longest, obviously, we've worked on any single kind of technology at TaylorMade. Um, you know, the challenge with carbon, again, when carbon – Carbon is not a new material. I think part of that, the reason why it's taken so long is because the advancements in technology in general of manufacturing technologies, it's what's actually made this possible to put it in a driver. When we had this idea 20 years ago, 
uh, a lot of the technologies around bringing something like this to market wasn't there. Our understanding of the performance aspect wasn't there. And, and I think um, so, so many other things had to happen before this became a reality. And that's really why it took so, so long. And I think also during that 20-year period, there's been these important milestones of, of find, finding things out about it to, to, again, make it work. One of those things was uh, designing a urethane layer that goes on top of the carbon to create the launch conditions that modern drivers need, which is high launch, low spin, um, as well as protecting the face and making it more durable. So this is something that we developed about 10, 10 11 years ago. Uh, and then we did have a kind of a pilot project that we did in Japan, a small launch of a driver there. So we've done these few things along the way to make it work, but obviously to really get it to the point where it could outperform titanium with titanium having gotten better every year uh, was a really tall order. And I think that's why it took so long to get to this point. Obviously, one of the big things is when consumers get to go out and try it, they'll see that it sounds quite a bit different to the previous products. What were the reactions like that when you first tested it um, with tour players? Uh, yeah, so the, the the crazy part about this was, you know, we we initially were very concerned about sound. We, we figured with that much carbon in the face that the head was going to feel overly damped and it was going to be maybe a little dull sounding. But what we found was we were able to, through a lot of kind of clever engineering around the rest of the head, as well as the fact that the face is so fast, it does create vibration and sound that we were able to create a, even a more metallic sound than the Sim 2 had. Um, the tour players, when they first hit this driver, they all were blown away by the sound. And honestly, in a lot of cases, it was the first thing that they said when they, you know, I remember Sergio, when he came in for the first shot. Before he even looked at the, the ball flight or the launch one, he was like, wow, this, time, this thing sounds fantastic. So that's been, I think, for us, a, a major validation of, of where, where we've kind of gotten to in terms of our sound and feel engineering as well. Because, um, as you know, Hannah, as, for, as a good player, you, the sound is so important to, to your experience with any equipment, whether it's irons or drivers. If a club doesn't sound and feel right, I, almost the other things are irrelevant at that point. You really are not going to play it. So we knew that getting the sound right was, was critical on this. And I think, again, and people can be their own judge, obviously, hitting it. But we feel uh, not only from our internal testing that the sound is, is excellent on this product, but also the feedback from Tour has been, uh, you know, nothing short, short of a kind of 100% there on the sound side. So a big story around this has been, like, the ball speed increases. What have you actually seen, like, in your testing that players have actually been gaining? Yeah, so I mean, obviously there's variation be- between players, and and um, but I've seen some incredible gains from people. I I actually spent some time early on prior to our launch with a lot of media, um, some of our best customers, uh, some of the internal staff that are good players. We have a lot of you know scratch golfer type level people at TaylorMade, uh, and I've seen gains uh, all the way from you know some guys are getting you know one mile an hour, two miles an hour in that in that range. Uh, but I've seen gains in the five, six mile an hour range. And I actually spent some time with, with Matt Bovey, as you, you probably know him. He, he does our irons and Matt is a scratch golfer. He's got 170 something mile an hour ball speed. Normally he was getting six, seven miles an hour more, uh, versus his game or before. So I've seen some incredible gains. And I think for me, the, the satisfaction of launching this driver is seeing, seeing people get that, um, has been hugely, uh, enjoyable for me. And, and I think. <laughs> Uh, again, everyone's gonna everyone's gonna have a slightly different experience, as you know, with any new club. But we've definitely seen some some gains that I've never seen before in my uh, 15, 16 years of TaylorMade. 
Well, you've rounded that out really nicely for me because now we're going to go in and talk to Matt about the irons. Thank you for your input there. Excellent. Thanks, Hannah. Appreciate you for having me. Hello, Matt, and thanks for joining us. So the stealth irons are finally here. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, happily. Great to uh, be with you, Hannah. I mean, the stealth irons coming out in 2022. There's a lot to talk about. We're building off this new catback design. It's um, a different different way to construct a game improvement iron that really allows you as a golfer to have uh, a bit more distance and forgiveness than a traditional cavity back iron can. And we've wrapped it in this um, new design language. It's just absolutely gorgeous. I think it's something really any golfer would be proud to have in the bag. And there's a lot of benefits in there. So. And when you've been working on this, what would you say is kind of your favorite element of the design? I get that question a decent amount. I think, generally speaking, my favorite aspect of the design is when you get to marry the cosmetic piece with the technology piece and create something like you see today that is a stealth iron, you know, as opposed to the what we call them prototypes or the the mules that are all about the technology, you know, and the, and the design language only exists on paper. Mm-hmm. When you bring the two together and you get that first, that first part where you're like, this is it. That's my favorite moment. So for people who might not be as aware of the technology, can you explain a bit more about the catback design and how it helps with that, those strikes on the lower part of the club face? Yeah, sure. So the catback design, what it essentially does is it creates a hollow body construction in a game improvement iron. So by doing that, we don't have anything bonded to the face anymore. When you look at cavity back irons and you see what we call a badge in the back of the iron, that's bonded to the face, and that slows it down. Um, and when you slow down the face, you limit ball speed, flexibility, forgiveness, all of these things. So by the, with the hollow body construction from cap back, we free up the face to move, um, and that's where you get more distance and forgiveness out of this construction compared to cavity back construction. And then, of course, um, you know, so we have a, a, a face that's free to move and it's very fast, and that works with the speed pocket, um, which is has been a staple in our irons now for some time. But it frees up that lower leading edge to get to be more flexible, and it protects ball speed on miss hits. Um, and on irons, we do see this, and ask yourself, this is a player, you know, if I miss an iron, where do I miss it? You typically hit it a little thin, and 72% of all shots are at center face or lower. So it's really about a, just creating a sweet spot that, is where the golfer needs it most, where you're going to capture as many shots as possible and protect that ball speed on miss hits. So when you're designing this kind of game improvement club, how do you decide what the balance is between like more distance or more forgiveness? That's a good one. That's a good question. Um, and it definitely depends on iron type. So for game improvement irons, distance and forgiveness are like the two top ones, in my opinion, um, with launch being a very, very close third. Mm-hmm. So with distance, what we want to do is we want to maximize carry distance, but we want to hit a certain launch window or provide a certain amount of height. Because you, if you hit it really low, you're not going to have success on the golf course, right? You still got to be able to hit it high. Forgiveness aspect is obviously a very, very critical because the impact distribution, where golfers hit it on the face when you're a higher handicap, it spreads out a bit more. Um, and so, but that, that goes hand in hand with distance because forgiveness is how you protect and provide consistent distance. So those two are uh, kind of together. And then next you bring the launch angle. I think it's interesting you talk about launch there because a lot of people kind of associate new clubs going further with just the fact they have stronger lofts, but it's not really the case because I guess the loft kind of comes as a result of the technology to launch it rather than the other way around. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Cause you, you can launch the ball too high. And again, the point is to provide 
you know, distance um, in a game improvement iron. So you don't want to launch it too high and, and leave that distance on the table. You're having wasted technology. You want to hit this certain window, uh, which we always make sure that we do. But also other things like, you know, as faces get faster, what happens is they actually launch the ball higher naturally. So you have to strengthen the loft again to not hit it too high. So it is, it's really to your point, it's the technology that drives the loft. Mm-hmm. So if a consumer was going to the shop, what kind of handicap range or ability would you say these are suited for? And obviously we've got a lot of beginner golfers coming into the game now. So would this be where you'd be pushing them in your range? Any beginner golfer would be good for stealth, you know, because um, it is a little bit longer blade length, bigger club face, more forgiving because of the speed pocket. Um, but you can play these irons really almost at any level. They're kind of targeted for like, you know, a 12 and up perhaps. Um, anywhere below there, you kind of lean towards 790, but there's no reason that 8, 9, 10 couldn't play these, you know, depending upon your swing speed and just what your preference is. And from what I've found, now that these irons, they look so much different. They they look so much cleaner and kind of timeless than they have in the past. Um, better players, they look at this iron and they, they see it for the first time and they comment on the, the design language and then they put it down in a dress and they say, oh, you know what? That's that's actually better than I thought. Like I could play this. And it's it's this weird combination of acceptance of what it looks like from a design language and being in a more receptive space to what it looks like at the address view, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, we were at the, I'll give you another example. We were at the tour shoot with our, <clears throat> our key athletes and we didn't have anything set up to where it's like, Hey, this is a stealth iron. Let me explain this to you. Let me hit, let's hit it. Da, da, da. Just in their bag in case they found it. They had a four to seven. We had a little bit of like downtime, maybe 10, 15 minutes. And, uh, Tommy Fleetwood is off on the side, just beating stealth four irons, like for 10 minutes. And he was, he was actually, we put his shaft in and everything. Um, he was quite enjoying it. In terms of the launch, the distance, and he's just still able to work it. And then Matt Wolf came over and he started doing the same thing. And he was talking to me about it. He's like, yo, this could be a great option for filling out. I got this gap in my bag right now, like 240 to 260. Like, I, I want to fill this gap. And he's talking about a four iron, which is kind of mind blowing. But, um, you could tell like their face just lights up when they hit this. I really think any player of any skill level can play at once these irons, but a full set's probably more geared for that high handicap. Well, well, I was going to ask you what your favorite ratio is to some tennis net bag. <laughs> so, so no, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you're going on to future years of designing products, like how hard is it to get like the new tech concepts? It can be very difficult, and sometimes it can be a bit easier. Um, the years where it's easier are the years where we've created a problem. Like the the new technology usually creates some other change that we can then find a solution to so it's like people always ask how do you keep getting better and better and the thing the thing is the problem and the question changes every year with new set of uh challenges and technology and design space so um sometimes a, a problem presents itself that you have to go chase and solve and other times when things are working really well it's like okay well how do we how do we keep providing what we're providing but get more of it and those years can be a little bit more difficult but um you know, we have, I think, the best R&D team in golf. Um, we have incredible guys uh, and gals down there that are doing really, really good work. And, um, you know, they're looking three to five years out from where we're in the marketplace today. And there's a lot of a lot of good minds down there. So it's fun. Yeah, I was going to say, how long have you been working on this product, like, in the background before it came to 
market? Yeah, so Catback as a whole was being developed for a couple of years before it was um, debuted in Sim 2, Max and Max OS. And then the tow wrap concept was in works um, about for about two, no, probably closer to, yeah, I'll say 24 months, 24 to 30 months prior to what you see today on the shelf. Now, finally, obviously, you've just got one model this year. Can you talk about why you've done the transition from having two to one in the cell? Yeah, that's another really good question. You're used to seeing two game improvement irons from TaylorMade um, for many, many years now. And, you know, this toe wrap portion of the catback design, which we haven't really gotten into too much, but that's what's the new part of catback for stealth. And um, what we did with that is we positioned mass, we repositioned mass from high in the club and down low. And what that does is it lowers the center of gravity. And when you get a lower center of gravity, it makes the ball easier to launch in the air. You get your biggest shift in the long irons because that's where we all struggle with hitting the ball the highest. So we want to put performance where the golfer needs it. That's always our goal. But having that lower CG allows um, just for more success and easier playability, which means that, oh, you know, the highest handicaps can work into this product easier than they ever could before. Um, we also have some loft fitting adjustments now. Like if you go into a golf shop and you want to get fit for these clubs, they can adjust the loft on your irons one degree strong or two degrees weak. So you could go all the way to 30 degrees on your seven iron if you want a little more speed or you need help getting the ball in the air. Um, which is fantastic for the super game improvement player. That's really key. Um, and then, you know, we just, we want to simplify things a, a, a little bit this year because like you look at, and, and we've continued to kind of condense and condense and condense, but some of the offerings out there, it's, there's, there's so many choices. And it's like, which one's for me? And when you look at TaylorMade, you know, if you want distance, it's stealth. If you want as much forgiveness as you can possibly get, it's stealth, right? If you want the latest in technology, it's stealth. It just makes it simple. And if you, you want a combination of like any level of player's iron and then you want to work in some performance, we have the P series. So it's very, are you on one side or the other? And it doesn't matter what iron you're in. It's going to be fantastic looking and it's going to play great. So just on the toe cap thing that you touched on there, would the CG be slightly different in each iron then? Yeah, the CG is different in each iron. Yep. And that's normal. Um, we try to fight it to get it <clears throat> as low as we can in the long irons. And that's where we do see our biggest shift. It's almost a full millimeter, um, which is a, a a big distance in, in the R&D world for golf in a, in a single year. Moving CG a millimeter is a lot. Yeah. And I think that ties in nicely to the fact that you've got different club faces on each iron as well. So it actually kind of matches like what each club is required to do, which people probably don't realize. Yeah, that's kind of a, one of the technologies that, you know, we've been designing the inverted cone face for a while and the progressive inverted cone face. And we don't really talk about it outwardly towards what we would call like the consumer golfer. Um, but yeah, each face is individually designed for its purpose in the set. So your four iron um, is designed to do different things than your seven is different than your wedge. And golfers miss a four iron different than they miss a seven iron. And it progresses through the set. So the four is different from the five, is different from the six, is different from the seven, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So then my question is, in fittings, why do we only ever hit the seven iron? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good one. I, ideally, you'd have <clears throat> like a full set of fitting heads, but it's you know <clears throat> you know in the in the fitting cards that we provide out there, there's let me think through this one, two, three, four. I think there's five heads, five or six heads 
for one model. So, and that's so that you can get your range of lie angles and now locked. And we have them set to where you can put different shafts in them and they, they, they click together like much like a driver does. If you were to do that for like every club in the set, it would be absolutely massive. Um, some, some golf shops will do a demo set, right? Like a stock configuration. Um, but then, you know, you're not able to change. Okay. I need half inch over and I need two degrees upright or whatever it is. So it's really just the trade off of that in terms of like how much space you have in the golf shop, how much it costs to get out there and all of those things. But you can actually set up a set very well off just a seven iron mm-hmm. and get it to where, you know, those lie angles are going to, um, be accurate through the whole set. And then the lofts, if you adjust loft on a seven iron, that's going to cascade pretty well through the entire set. And you can always go back after you get your set, check gapping. Mm-hmm. If you got you're like a coach or something, I definitely recommend it. Go back, check your gapping through the set. And you can bend the lofts in any golf shop without any any concern. Yeah, well, very good advice for people. And hopefully they're all heading out for a fitting soon. But thank you so much for joining us. It was really insightful. And for anyone else who's wanting to know anything else about the self range, head to the kit section of the National Club Golfer website. (laughs) 